This is, yet again, I don't get it. We still don't get it. It's the Pop Culture Get Off My Lawn cast. This features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons who, in turn, stare down the prospect of entertainment relevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, which is the only streaming platform you can find all of Lawrence Welk. And I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy here. Uh, I am Noah Tarno, uh, founder, senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. I'm willing to bet you can get Lawrence Welk streaming somewhere. So now I have to Google that. No, okay? you know what? All right, I, I've thought about you this. You can't? Are you saying you can't? I am supposing you can't. I'll tell you why. My, my hypothesis is based on the fact that the estate of Johnny Carson has kind of embargoed their videos. You have nearly, I think, 30 years of Johnny Carson videos, and they've been very sparing about which they've digitized over from master tapes. And those are on YouTube. So there is, and it's very specific. You can find X amount of interviews every now and then. You know, Liberace from 1977. You can find Jim Carrey from 1991, 1977, I mean. But um, other than that, they've been very stingy. It's as if they don't understand that this stuff needs to be available all the time. The Dick Cavett people, Noah, have gotten very smart and they're rapidly. The Dick di- Cavett people, like they're a race that big, lives in, the, big, in New Guinea or something. What I have to call Big Cavett, the people behind Big, <laughs> big Cavett. Cavett. Are moving a lot, like so. Now you can find the Gore Vidal, William F. Buckley interviews. Oh, you can find that's what all the kids want. Richard Burton, uh, Dick yeah. Harris. You can find all these interviews on YouTube. They've been very diligent about cherry picking some of the best stuff. Now they're moving quicker. It's still not comprehensive. But Carson, I want to see Carson's from the eighties. I want to see the sketches. I just don't want to see the interview with Steve Martin. I want to see some of those sketches, the Art Fern Tea Time movie. I want to see these damn things. And they're for some reason, it's like they don't get it. They don't know the value of the thing they have. Uh, all right. Well, you're wrong about Lawrence Welk. Okay. You can watch three episodes of Lawrence Welk streaming with free with Amazon Prime. Okay. You can watch season thirteen of the Lawrence Welk show on Hulu. Okay. Where's the other 38 uh, seasons, though? Uh, TVGuide.com. I didn't even realize they have stuff, but that shouldn't surprise me. Watch the Lawrence Welk show online. Uh, watch list. Where to watch. So Did, maybe they're just didn't like Lawrence one Welk, episode. No joke. Wasn't yeah. he from like 1964 up until like 1991? Like Lawrence Yeah. Welk, no, that show was on decades. 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 It was, gun, it was the gun smoke of gun smokes. Yes, the Gunsmoke. Yes, Lawrence Welk show. Now I'm curious how long the Lawrence Welk show. Oh, by the way, I looked it up. Hunter was seven episodes, seven seasons. We were talking about Hunter before. Yeah, you guys know Fred Dreyer, Hunter, NBC. Fred Dreyer. Every kid's hero. Uh, So Lawrence Welk show aired locally in Los Angeles for four years, 1951 and 55, then nationally for another 16 years in ABC, followed by 11 years in first-run syndication, 1992, it went off the air. Damn. So... If you count L.A., and I'll count it, it's a big yeah. market, it was 1951 to 1982. Can you believe That's, that? And every episode was probably the same. It was like three women from Minnesota singing <laughs> some goofy little song. And here's, here's the weird thing. Lawrence Welk this year is only 67 years old. <laughs> <laughs> when did he die? Do you remember him dying? Yeah, I think he died in the last 15 years. Uh, he made it to the 2000s for, for sure. I'm pretty sure, I think. Wrong! Oh. He died in May, ni- May 1992. 
He was 89 years old. Did he though? I don't know. He might not have. Re- <laughs> he may not have been aware. He might have died back in the 50s, for all we know. All right, fine. Yeah, they just ran the same show as as a rerun. Anyway, this show is not about Lawrence Welk. It's not about Fred Dreyer and Hunter. Uh, it's about topics that have nothing to do with any of those. Topics. Yeah, what the kids although, love. Although, although, when I looked up Hunter on Wikipedia, I saw that it was created. Uh, let me see. No, Hunter, not someone who hunts uh, TV series. It was created by someone named. I'm, I'm stalling for time here. Yes, yes, obviously. We all know. America knows that. Why can I not find this? Oh, God, there are too many things dee, called Hunter. Dee, 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 dee. Okay, here you go. It was created by someone named Frank Lupo. And you know what Lupo means. Oh, see, what a tra- oh, masterful work. Look at that. What are the odds? Noah Tur- what are the odds? Noah Turner saves this, this bit with a transition because our topic yes. this week is an animated yes. film out yes. of that verdant nation men call Ireland. It is a film, a feature film from 2020 called Wolfwalkers. Um, now this just sort of popped out of nowhere to, as a topic because Noah had suggested it the other day, and it turns out that Noah had this suggested to him by a mutual friend of ours in New York named uh, a a a listener of the show, by the way. Yeah, listen to the someone show. someone who is is now making fun of me because our recent episode I said there's a slight chance the flat earthers are right, and he is not letting he is not <laughs> letting me get away with that. Well, our, he has he has less than zero patience for flat earthers, even less than we do. This is our good our good friend Aaron pointed this out. This is a movie called Wolfwalkers, which is from a yeah. uh, studio, um, a, an Irish animation studio called Cartoon Saloon, and they are known most likely for th- two previous efforts. One was called The Secret of Kells, and one was called Song of the Sea. And uh, the reason why we might know them is because those were Oscar lauded with nominations. So these guys step up to the plate. They are a very advanced animation syndicate out of out of uh, Dublin. I believe it's Dublin. Syndicate. Syndicate. Yes. Uh, I actually think they're from Kilkenny, where the story is. Oh, set. they're from Kilkenny. Yeah, I guess you could do this. I, I, or, or maybe not from, but I, I believe they're they're headquarters. Although, does that matter in the age of COVID? Yeah, kill Kenny. Oh, that's true. That kind of makes sense. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wolfwalkers, uh, like I said, this cartoon saloon. If you don't know the name, uh, you probably have seen or heard of them because they produce very um, uh, well-respected animation that doesn't cut any corners. And again, it, it, Oscar nominations don't mean a whole lot after in the in the world where Green Book wins Best Picture. Seriously, what uh, <laughs> you know? What what does an Oscar nom- What does an Oscar win mean? Uh, I, I I'd still take it if offered. <laughs> Yeah, but but these guys, let's put it this way: they go up against Pixar, and they're the number two because Pixar wins those best ah. animation, best animated features. These guys are a close number two. I have, this this one's this one's getting a lot of press, and depending how sold, I mean, it's clear the Oscar for animated picture this year will be a fight between this movie and Sold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. And for Who what, knows? They they might they might pull it off. Yeah. So this was directed by uh, two people, two regular hands, and their uh, uh, the cartoon saloon stable. A guy named Tom Moore, a guy named Ross Stewart, and it was an, it's an original story by someone named Will Collins. And I was kind of curious about that because this has all the um, trappings of some sort of and uh, these things usually come from. Uh, children's books and or some folklore that's been around for a while but apparently this is an original screenplay by some Irishman named Will Collins uh, this is the story of a young girl named Robin with a Y much like the Swedish Chantus uh, who lives in the little village of Kilkenny Ireland and this this takes place in, in the weirdest of all settings this takes place during the Cromwell Interregnum 
when Oliver Cromwell was the Lord Protector of England between the Charleses. Um, Stuarts, I believe, no? They were Stuarts, right? The House of Stuart? Um, mm, I'm ashamed that I don't remember. I think, I think you they, keep talking they, and I'll double check I think that, they were Stuart. So, so anyway, yeah. uh, her experience is she is actually an English girl who lives in Kilkenny, as again, a lot of Englishmen, uh, you know, that was, that was their remit because England was, I mean, England had uh, sovereignty over Ireland and it was, um, you know, it stayed that way for many hundreds of years. So her and her father, uh, his name is Bill, I believe, right? Um, I think their name Bill. is... Bill. Yeah, Goodfellow, I believe is their last Goodfellow. name. Goodfellow. So I find it interesting. Her name is Robin Goodfellow, which yeah. is a character from British folklore, a fairy, best known as an alternate name for Puck, the fairy character in oh, Shakespeare's yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. That. That so that, that seems... I mean, I that had to have been on purpose, but I'm not really sure why. I mean... I guess you can liken her character to a fairy-type character, but it doesn't seem particularly relevant. Yeah. And it's a whole different strain of folklore than this movie relies upon. So that seemed an odd choice to me, but right. whatever. You know. Yeah, so uh, she's an English expat with her dad. They lived in this walled village. Uh, they, The family, they're hated by the contemptuous and subjugated Irish, as you know, as people were at the time. The, the Irish were a, uh, a fractious lot of people who were under the boot of the crown. Uh, and everyone who lives in Kilkenny are at the mercy of roving wolf packs outside the village. So uh, the village needs to expand in this this mythology, this narrative, this folklore. Uh, but the uh, farmers and whatnot are being picked off by wolves because they're extremely, uh, you know, it's rife with these wolves and they're extremely vicious hunters. So her dad, Goodfellow, is a wolf hunter, uh, as all the other agents of the Regency are. And um, she wants to be the same thing, too. She wants to be a crossbow wolf hunter. So she follows the guy out into the woods um, and she winds up having a close encounter with wolves and discovers that there is this humanity, that they're not exactly the hated killers that they're made out to be. So there's kind of a conservation message here. Uh, you know, the English, it's, it's modernity, it's sort of, uh, you know, terraforming, it's chopping down trees and putting, you know, crops and whatnot and animal husbandry. Um, but there's something more elemental in the woods that, you know, humanity has lost touch with, the, the spirit of the wolf. And the thing is, there there is a, a literal spirit of the, this. This so far sounds like it's a conservation tale. But um, she encounters this girl. Robin encounters a young girl out in the woods named Maeve, who is herself. I, I don't even know. It's it, I want to say a werewolf, but it's not quite a werewolf because it's almost like she's a... Yeah, right. It's a variant on lycanthropy. She's a, well, she's called a wolf walker. A wolf walker. And right, which is the cool. idea is she is she appears human at least, but while she sleeps, this mist she becomes her body remains. She's like negative man from the Doom Patrol. Yes. Her body remains and the spirit comes out of her and forms that a, a corporeal wolf, yeah. Takes yeah. the form of a wolf. And also at, when she's human, she leads the wolves and you know, it, it's a little fuzzy as many folklore concepts are, but I think it works for its purposes, you know. Yeah. So, so this girl is is um, you know she she encounters this other girl who's kind of this this free spirit who lives in the woods and she's you know she's she's shoeless and she's got you know sticks and twigs in her hair and she's very much like a a spirit of the forest and and you know there's there's a a culture clash between the village and the woods and sort of the world of man and the world of something that could be supernatural at least the world of the natural. So this girl Robin is in a tough bind because she wants to stop her benign father he, he's a he's a strict figure but he's also a very loving father uh and the english troops from slaughtering the wolves uh and she herself this is i don't know maybe a minor spoiler she comes to have the same werewolf ability as well uh through through machinations through through wizardry or whatever 
Anyway, yeah. th- this went live, I want to say, shortly before Christmas on Apple TV. I want to say like December 11 or something like that went up. Um, and it had a very big thunderous roll at TIFF, Toronto International Film <laughs> Festival, where I think that's where Apple made. Apple just went on a shopping spree. You know, there's some guy walking around pulling hundreds out of his you know wallet. Tap, tap. Not, not not walking around this year. No, I mean, Toronto no. was all ver- it was all virtual this year. Yeah, right. I, right. I, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I streamed a lot of the movies myself, but right. you know, metaphorically saying is that the, the, you know the big studios, the streaming services. I know, I know. I'm just they go being to, annoyed. Right. They go to all these film festivals and they just treat it like it's um you know like it's a Price is Right round where they're just trying to grab and, dollar bills out of a fan I, or something like that. I I watched three seasons of Entourage. I know how it works. <laughs> right. You know how Aqua. You know how the, yeah. the Aquaman is made. He knows exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, since you brought this to me, Noah, I'm curious what you thought of Wolf Walkers. Uh, well, this is, yeah, I want to give credit to Aaron Grunfeld who suggested it. And he's very happy. This is the first time he suggested a topic that we picked up on. And he watched this with his daughter, Paulina, yeah. one of my favorite kids in the world. Who's in? Who's, she's in the age bracket, I would say, perfectly for this. Just to, just yes, to bracket yes. that, yeah. And, and she is, she's a little, she's a science geek, but she also has a healthy respect for literature as much as can be expected of a nine-year-old child. Yeah. Uh, and they both loved it. And, um, you know, right up their alley in a way. Um, I thought this was very charming and very well done. Um, you know, I, I would say this is might be the very best thing we've looked at in the category of stuff that I really have no interest in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I think it's excellent. I think this is an amazing feat. I hope it does win the Oscar for what that's worth. But it's just a lot of boxes it checks for not my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, but let's just talk about why I think it's it's good. The animation is just absolutely lovely. And I don't want to say unique because I like using unique the way it's supposed to be used, which means one of a kind. And people just mean unusual. But um, it's so different from a Pixar film in that you know, modern animation, and I, I like Pixar films, and I love the smoothness and how everything just looks perfect in a way. And I do like that of Pixar films, but this movie really leans into its... You can see the, the pencil lines yeah. in a lot of yeah. stuff. The Maeve as a character, is her head is a perfectly round orb, and her long mane of red hair is, like, attached to her head. Like, it looks like it's, like, like clipped on, like it's like it's like she's a Playmobil figure and her hair is snapped on. You could see the form of the artist, like drawing the circle and then drawing the oval for the body. I mean, you literally could see some of those pencil strokes. And I find it just beautiful. Um, there's a there's a distinction drawn between, and this is something I didn't pick up on that Paulina actually pointed out to me, nine years old, is that out in the forest, everything is smooth and these flowing lines and soft lines. And in the village, it's sharp angles and straight lines and pointy noses. And the heroes are soft. And the villain, the Lord Protector. By the way, I was confused. Was that literally supposed to be Oliver Cromwell? No, it's the you know it's the, the agent of the... Uh, I was going to say the region. Right, it's, it's the, the agent. Region. But they call him Lord Protector. Yeah. I thought only Cromwell was Lord Protector. And if you look up this movie on, I, on IMDb, on Wikipedia, it says the character was Oliver Cromwell. I'm a little confused, but then, of course, it contradicts some of Cromwell's real history. And why would Cromwell, who is running all of England, have his headquarters in Kil- I don't know, whatever. The boss, the villain. He has got very sharp angles and, and you know, the contrast and that they express all that in the style of drawing, I find very, 
I don't want to say it's a cheap technique. It's a very simple technique, but it is very well done. Yeah. And I appreciate that. So it is a very beautiful movie. It has this great technique that reminded me of comic books where several moments it would split the screen into threes. Yeah. So you would see three angles on usually an action scene. You know, you would see what uh, Robin's dad was doing, what Robin was doing, and maybe what Maeve was doing or what the villain was doing. Um, so it's just, it's a very beautiful movie. I think the story needs a little work, uh, but I'm sure some of that is a function of me not being interested in wolves or folklore or, you know, Ireland of the year 1650. Uh, but I also find it very repetitive. How many damn times do we have to hear robin's dad tell her to stay out of the woods i mean again and again and again and again but you know these are all very forgivable things this it, this is a movie that it's hard to not root for um and while i'm not interested in ireland 1650 i i think it was a bold move to be that specific not just oh it's the middle ages at some point no they 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 tack on to this one very specific historical event that certainly most americans know jack shit about so I thought I like the specificity of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I'm very impressed with this. This is this is a, a job very well done. Good for them. Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that this nine year old I have some personal investment in watch this movie, and I'm hoping my seven year old niece watches it. I think she might like it. Um, you know, she likes kind of scary stuff, and the action scenes are a little I don't want to say grim, but. You know, they don't shy away from some violence and some darkness. No, that's like, true. There's there's bloodshed for sure. Yeah. There's bloodshed and considering what the world was like at that time and what the world is like now, you know, I think kids need a little of that to understand the way the way the world works. So so this is this is a this is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, there in case you need to be alloyed by this, um on IMDb it's got eight point two out of ten. On Letterboxd it's four point one out of five, and on Rotten Tomatoes it's ninety nine percent. So this thing is this wow. thing is a monster. I don't think you can go wrong if you want to show it. Like Paulina, I think, is of the perfect age and your niece is getting there too. I think she can hack it. So, I think she can hack it. These days, she's really into Star Wars, and if she can handle Star Wars, she can handle this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the subject matter aside, I think the level of um, the level of drama and or the level of um, physicality to it that'd be the only thing. Is if you, whether you think your uh, your kid or whoever kid you're talking about can handle uh, the severity of it. Again, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's it's not you know it's definitely not entry level too. Um, yeah, right. Extremely well done. It 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 kind of looks like wood. They tried to make it look like wood carvings. I think from folk yeah, art, from yeah. from old books yeah. and escutcheons and things like that. And that none of that. And again, nothing that happened here. Not a single brush stroke or pencil stroke was an accident. Uh, it was pretty ambitious. I want to say about an hour forty. Uh, it was, yeah. and so it had enough time. It felt it felt a little long to me. Yeah, I mean the the, the repetitiveness. I think they could have easily chopped a half hour off. Of it, yeah, between between these guys in Ireland and then there's a studio in Oregon called Leica uh, who do the stop motion thing like Kubo and the Two Strings. There is a cottage industry right now of um, down to the ground, old school um, animation that's not Pixar and that's not, you know, Trolls, whatever the studio is that puts this bullshit together. Trolls or um, the Minion <laughs> stuff. You know, there's the slick shit that you do on a, on a dime for the companies that are going to make a billion dollars and going to put a Justin Timberlake song over it. And then there's like this, which is quite literally a piece of art. Having said that, I fucking hated this. I could not stand this. I, Whoa! I, Whoa! I, 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 wow! I was, I, was so, I was so bored by it. I was. So, I fucking hate it. 
Well, look, I was a little bored by it too. I'm trying to be charitable here, dude. I said, I don't care about it. It's yes. not my thing. Yeah. But would you really qualify that as I fucking hated it? I did. I did. I mean, I... Wow! That's, that's, more of a, that's more of a reflection on me, to be honest, because this was clearly... I, I think that this is really made for one age. This doesn't have two different levels the way some other movies do where adults can watch something next to kids. This doesn't have that. Now, I'm not saying that's the only reason I didn't like it. I'll I tell know. Mr. 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 Grunfeld seemed to like it quite a bit. Sure, but... And then I, again, he's, his tastes are different than most people. They're slightly different. But I mean, Aaron, you know, yeah. like he reads the same comic books as, as we do. You know, Yeah, I, but he, you know, this is a guy who reads Beowulf for fun. Well, know? that is true. I think that... Um, when I grew up, I'll tell you, an analog for this, and some of some of you in the audience might know, an analog for this was Hayao Miyazaki's Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. It has a very similar story where it's a young girl who was from a city and she, she gallivants on her own into nature and comes into contact with the untamed world, which in the, in the world of Miyazaki in Nausicaa, it's poisoned by man's wars. And not only that, there are these large creatures that are extremely dangerous. They look like... Um, Ammonites. They look like essentially gigantic crustaceans that prowl the land and they're absolutely uh, dangerous and lethal to men. And they're enormous. They're like the size of um, Mack trucks, semi-trucks. And so this girl is the one person who sort of finds the secret to living with nature, uh, crossing over the boundaries between the mechanized world of man and, uh, again, a lot of similarities. But I guarantee you these Irishmen watched a lot of Miyazaki. They watched Nausicaa. They watched Totoro before they made this movie. The thing is, with Miyazaki movies are enjoyable up and down because there's so many layers of things to watch. Not just detail and design, but storytelling themes. And I love Miyazaki. That's not, you know, everyone loves Miyazaki who watches it. That's not a big deal. Did did he do Howl's Moving Castle? Absolutely. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I saw of those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that movie... The plot, I could not have cared less, but it was very, it was, I guess it's similar to my mind in that it was very beautiful and very mm-hmm. creative and very original, but I, the stories in and out, right. I couldn't care less. Well, Princess Mononoke and Swept Away and all these, yeah. uh, these other stories are, to me, are just incredible. And I think that no matter what age I've watched them in, uh, I've, I, I just sit back agog and I didn't, I didn't have that experience with this. No, I was kind of put off by how cliche it was, by how trope ridden, how many things I've seen from all over the place. And this, this is something, and again, I can't blame, no, I was about to say, I can't blame the movie for this, but that's not true because stop me if I'm wrong here, uh, Noah, but I think that the Irish love to export they you know, they send out, you know, they send out, um, plenty of things. There's, there's technology. There's a tax shelter. There's a lot of uh, books and whatnot. <laughs> but the one thing the Irish love to expand more than anything else, they love to uh, export to other countries, is this folksy homespun myth about themselves. The Irish love... Eh, the, wow. we, we understand. I think they understand that, that there's a hunger. People want to see this. And so the Irish are all wow. too happy if you can make money off of it. So that's, there, there are a lot of people of Irish descent in the United States. I'm one of them. And, I understand. You right. Know? But like, why wouldn't they want stories from their past? But it's it's not even stories of the past. It's the same fucking story from their past. You get one, you get a monomyth. We, we've had a lot of stories about the Lord Protector coming into town. No, no, I'm saying. Killing the wolves. The, I, I mean, the Irish, on. the Irish have one picture of you. To, they have one picture, which is soda bread, drinking a lot, Tam O'Shanter's, Shillelagh's, fucking Frank McCourt, corn Tam O'Shanter's are from Scotland asshole whatever you get my point my corned beef and cabbage the thing is the irish love whether they love to or not they're bound to this excelling irishness almost like it was a tincture in a fucking jar and this this is so filled with irish folksiness you can cut it with a knife it's so thick 
And so what's wrong with that? I, I, it's so, doesn't, it's, doesn't every culture have some variant of that story? You tell me that there's not like a Woody Allen type somewhere in, in Dublin who's spilling coffee in a shirt, stammering like, like you know, Alfie from Annie Hall. You, you, don't, you don't get the picture of all the Irish kind of give you this idea that there's one version of Irish. And that's look, I, I've been to an, I've been to a Native American reservation. I understand that they're looking to sell you headdresses. And they want you know, like you want to see the yeah. rain dance. I get it. That's the cultural export because people don't have room for anything other than you know. This is what Navajo. This is what Navajo looks like to you. So we're going to give yes. it to you. You know, yes. I, but the, a fucking Irish like the, you don't get further than the Blarney Stone. That's what this is. It's all the fucking Blarney Stone over and over again. I I, I don't agree okay. because this is not a this is not a this is a specific thing that, as far as we can tell, is the real past. Okay. It's not the headdress it's, version. It's, it's, it's not the Blarney Stone. It's a true story. It's from, I mean, other than the mystical wolves, the Lord Protector and. I mean, this seems a lot more real than that. Yeah, this was this was brave. I mean, Ironic. Brave took place in Scotland, but this is brave was the same fucking story. Animals that turn people that turned into animals. A girl with a long long mane of red hair who's rebellious and good with an arrow. There's so many different things that were just recapitulated. And I get it. If you were nine years old, you didn't see all these things already. That and on top of that, it's incredibly well done. I can't argue with the quality. I can sit here and tell you that culturally. I was so bored that I was uh, downloading movies off the torrents and, and checking my email when I was watching this, just because it, it had no success at all. Yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a difference between not my thing and I was bored and fucking hating. Uh, okay, fair enough. You said fucking hate it. You didn't say it fucking sucks. So yeah. that's yeah, 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 right, yeah. exactly. I fucking hated it. <laughs> what I like. Come here. You're, you're a... Uh, uh, wolf Bill, so, um, you know, this seems to have caught on and it's got a buzz to it and it's definitely a success on whatever, on some terms. So why? Why, why is this popular? Well, having survived the experience of watching Trolls World Tour, Noah, for this, uh, <laughs> for this very podcast that we're hey, talking hey, about. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't finish Trolls World Tour. Did you finish Trolls? Yeah, no, I watched it, sure. Okay, because I didn't finish that, but I finished this. Okay. Did you finish this? Oh, yeah, I finished it, sure, yeah. I don't stop All movies. Right, I, 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 that's my one thing in life. Good, I never stop good, a movie. Good for you. Good for you. Anyway, You're a stronger man than me. Yeah, well, that's fine. That's, no, that's a personal credo. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's an honor-bound thing. It's like Rambo always has to release the POWs, and I can't stop a movie. So. <laughs> I'm very Same much, thing, I'm right? very much like Rambo in that respect, yeah, but well, you know, I yeah, th- yeah, this was a very. I think this was easier to describe. Once I started writing my notes about why it's popular, look, it's quality at the highest level. Uh, it is very welcome female representation, uh, which you know, it's not that it makes a big deal out of it. It just does its job very subtly, and you can do it two different ways. You can do it ostentatiously. You can do it, you know, just sort of. You know, the way this movie did it, where it just does it. And that's the most important characters, the female characters. They're the ones who are conflicted. They're the ones who are working a moral message out. They're right. Uh, and they wind up being right in the end. Uh, they have hard decisions to make, and they act very well uh, in the strength of those decisions. So this also has a big conservation message. You know, even if you could reverse engineer this thing about chopping down the forest and, and annihilating the wolf to very simply, you know, things about the coral reef and, and, and forest and you know, national parks in the United States. It's it's translatable, especially in t- t- this day and age. Also, I think this is very important. This is where a lot of movies do this. They try to do this, but they don't get it right. I think it's that the um, 
the idea that you could you, you can and or should defy authority when there's a moral decision to make and the reason why i specify mm-hmm. that is because so many movies i would say most of pop culture is based on this rebellious bent the idea that like you know yeah. gogurt is they use rebellious images to sell you yogurt and sneakers but yeah. it's it's hollow yeah. it's just the voice and the sound of rebellion as opposed yeah. to the reason why one would rebel over making a moral decision. And this movie digs into that. I mean, it really spends, I would say, close to a half hour parsing over the the choices and what the cost of it is and finally how you live with making that moral decision, what you lose from doing the right thing. So, uh, you know, kids aren't... That's the thing. This stuff should just wash over kids. Hopefully, when Paulina watched it, she just watched it and her mouth was a little agape and, you know, had a good time watching it. As adults see this stuff, that's the kind of like checklist. You know, we talked about checking boxes and that was one metaphor, but this is another metaphor. These these are the good check boxes in terms of the themes that a story has. And it has them all. So I even beyond the strength of the animation, and literally not just the, the, the animation is the movement of the characters and not just the design. Those two things are great, but also it has these things. It's like a spine and a skeleton holding all that stuff up. This is a positive example of quality winning out, even though you fucking hated it and think yeah. it's the worst thing ever to happen in the history of mankind. <laughs> to me, to um, me, even to me, to you. This this is the problem with the world is Wolfwalkers. In Bill <laughs> Bill Scurry's opinion, there is nothing worse than Wolfwalkers. The reason he voted for Trump yes. is because Trump vowed to ban Wolfwalkers from the it was, US. I was a one-issue like, voter. One-issue right. voter. I know. I know the guy's a maniac. I know he's terrible. I know he's a hypocrite. But the Democrats like Wolfwalkers, they, so we can't they, vote for them. Yeah. That was basically what motivated him. Yes. And, you know, look, we still don't know who won. Anything can happen. Yes. Um, sorry, I'm spinning <laughs> oh out of control. Uh, Supposedly on vacation, but I still can't get away. Um, look, it, it's you mentioned the female representation thing, and that's, a, again, sometimes it seems ham-handed, but it, it's needed. So it's out there. So it's, for lack of a better term, it's the cool thing now. But it's people are crying out for it so kids like paulita and sarah my niece like you know this is what they look for i'll tell you a side note about sarah sarah these days she's the star wars she's like who's your favorite star wars character and i say r2d2 who's your favorite girl star wars character right Mm -hmm. she asked me say who's your favorite superhero batman who's your favorite girl superhero now i gotta come up with a damn list and i realize how sexist i am that's true um yeah, so I, I think that's needed, and this story, you know, it passes the 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 Bechdel test. Does the Bechdel test count when it's children, when it's about children? Um, I think it's all media. I think it would kind of have to, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, you know, the, the conservation message, and I think animation, I mean, I don't know, you're a film guy, I'm not. Like, are we still talking about an animation renaissance? Because I feel like they were talking about that 10 years ago. I, it rolls over to the next thing is because I think when the prevailing uh, the prevailing culture is the minions and or the the um, the trolls that's the that's the monoculture of hugeness even though there are all these things running around they just it's it's a relief that parents get to watch something that has a little bit of variance to it like this so there's always an animation renaissance it's just that that's not that's not your box office leader I'm sure I mean I do wonder if one of the many many effects of 2020 covid is i mean it's got to be ten thousand times easier to make an animated movie now than it is to make a live action you said that you said that at the beginning of of a lockdown you you anticipated that uh, yeah things that are animated would uh, have a boom time sure and you know i don't think i think vaccine or no i think we're going to be dealing with the shit for a while and then who knows the next pandemic and then of course as people discover you know 
we can do things in ways that we didn't think we could do things before. I wonder if animation will be with us even more. So maybe this is the crest of an animation wave in mm. a way. Or maybe it's a wave that's been going on. It's just up there with it. So, so I don't know. Maybe it's it's the right time for quality animation. Right? I, I would also bet that these Irish uh, people get uh, state grants because there's uh, what is it called? Yes, the, the film yes. board, Sports yes. Scotland. The idea that the Film Board of Ireland grants a lot of money to in-house um, productions. So there's always yeah. a, there's a better yeah. chance that this could be made overseas where there is. Um, you know, uh, uh, more endowment of the arts than there would be in the United States for sure. I, I, I'm sure there might also be some program they could take advantage of because it is dealing with Irish culture and history. You know, they could make true. some argument yeah. that it's that it's promoting, you know, it's educational, right? Promoting our culture, our yeah. heritage to people. I mean, I see some value in that. It got me reading a few Wikipedia articles about Ireland, things I didn't know. Like I, I, I know very little about Oliver Cromwell and the Protectorate and the Interregnum or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I found myself, you know, reading a little about that. So you could argue that this is educational. I mean, stronger argument that this is educational than most other movies I've ever seen. So, you know, I, I, there's there's definitely some value here, a lot of value here and, and value that people connect with. So I, I don't think it's surprising at all that this um, this is this is caught fire in some way. Wolf? Wolf. Merlin, quick. Find. Find the wolf. Noah, tell me, would you have liked this when you were a kid? No. I mean, to the extent I like it now, and I'm not going to be as harsh as you are. I'm not going to do my scorched earth. This movie is everything that is wrong with humankind, and we should burn it all down and start it again because of wolf walkers, which is what you said. <laughs> which is verbatim. Yeah, verbatim. Yeah. I will just say, yeah, I was a little bored, and, you know, this is a for lack of a better term, this is a girl thing, right? And if I were nine and watching this, it's just, I, you know, when you when you compare this to other things, do you know what I thought of the movie from our childhood? What's that? I thought of The Last Unicorn. Yeah, I must have seen that a hundred times. I don't remember it, but yeah, I definitely watched it. I, I saw it in the theater. I haven't seen it since. Mm -hmm. But although one I, I used to karaoke with would sing the theme song every time, and it's a pretty boring song. Um, It was uh, America, the band that did Sister Golden Hair and... Uh, Horse of no name. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, you know, it's a girl thing. It's not for me. So if I were seven or nine, I would just write it off as girly. And then if I was a teenager or in my 20s, I think I'd be a lot like I am now. I'd appreciate the art of it, but I just wouldn't be engaged enough to really be passionate about it. So, yeah, I I'd be either the same or less interest, depending mm -hmm. on my age. I can't imagine any scenario in which you would be into this. But okay. Well, you know, I, I mean, I was a cartoon of war when I was a kid. I think I ate anything All that right. was... Animation was a very easy way to get stuff to me because, you know, we were that G.I. Joe generation Transformers. And granted, there's a big step between that and... G.I. Joe generation. Yeah. That's going to be the name of your... Uh, Other my spin-off podcast. Your, no, your scholarly work. My scholarly, yeah, right. My gen yeah. yeah, linking everything back to one of the big thick tome. My Your PhD, my, PhD thesis. My yes. oral history. But uh, yeah, yeah. A cartoon is the easy way to get... I watched a lot of cartoons like The Last Unicorn because it was an animated form. Only after watching it would I realize, oh, this isn't my taste. But by that point, I'd already watched it. Um, you know, that's why I bring up Miyazaki because I want to... Wait, 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 wait. It's called... It has unicorn in the title and it would take you watching the movie to realize it's not your taste. Well, Legend had a unicorn in it, the uh, Ridley Scott movie. No, no. In the, in the fucking title. Yeah. I mean, 
it was like, how much can you brand a movie? This is for girls other than having unicorn. I mean, I guess if it were called rainbow unicorn. That would yeah, be maybe so. Unicorn, unicorn. Rainbow unicorn sticker book. Could there be more a girl-based? I know there. There's a, there's a chance those stickers could be puffy. I don't know. You know, there's a chance. But um, I, I, by the time I got to watching, like when I got to um, Akira, for instance, and some of the Miyazaki's as a... Uh, a bridge between the toy commercials I watched as a kid and the things that were a little more facile, cartoon-based, and then the cartoons that had all the levels for adults, I watched everything just because it was a cartoon, I think. So mm. there's a much better chance that when I'm a small kid, I would have to get to that, that bridge age of about 14 or 15 where I needed a little more hard edge and sophistication. Granted, this doesn't lack for that hard edge and sophistication. But the, but I have to also agree with you because there is this thing. I had this problem when we watched um, Steven Universe where I thought, uh, and again, forgive me for saying this, I thought this is girl stuff. And I know it's not girl stuff, but I do think it was it was what I would say as a child sort of feminized a little bit. And Yeah, it, no, I hear you, I hear you. Again, I don't know how to rationalize that. I'm not trying to be a dick about it. And maybe I'm not doing no, good... no. You're you're a dick without. Trying I'm not even trying. It's just effortless. Yeah. It rolls off my tongue. Yeah. Effortless dickness. That's what I was thinking. And maybe maybe it's the re- the the uh, maybe it's the um, representation thing of seeing. You know, I, again, I could deal with a female lead character. I could deal with a little girl female character who's sort of doing this empowerment thing. Uh, you know, and the little girl is running around a little bit like um, what's her name, Arya from uh, Game of Thrones. She's sort of this empowered little scamp with kind of like a squeaky voice, as if she's like a little a little you know. A naughty little girl. She's a, she has that like air of misbehavior. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's her thing, and she's supposed to be more you know coloring outside the lines than the other girl, who's a little more of a rule follower. So you know, I think with with boy characters, for what it's worth, if you're looking for someone to identify it, you know, sometimes there's the thoughtful boy, but a lot of times there's the you know the people who are more mean, the sort of rougher, sportier boys, and that that didn't appeal to me either. And yet, for some reason, I found a home. In cartoons that were designed for boys, so this this to a degree I think would have hooked me up until about the age of probably 12, 13. I start to grow out around thirteen or fourteen, and you probably get to the wither old, uh, you know, uh, pile of ash that talks to you today from an, an uncomfortable chair in Amsterdam, Noah. People of Kilkenny, I have heard your concerns. Wolf attacks, livestock lost, a wolf running through our very streets. Bill, is the existence and or popularity of wolf walkers in any way a sign of the apocalypse? No, I think the apocalypse is that animation doesn't do this on the reg. You know, that this, this, mm. is, a, this is a sterling example of, of art which people don't, I don't think people understand the power. Some people do. Again, you're looking in Japan, they do because they've been producing art like this for, I would say, close to 50 years. Whereas they've been producing a lot of animation in the United States, but it's been crashly commercial, cheaply made Hanna-Barbera, Filmation, Ruby Spears type stuff. That- oh, but but that was a long time ago. We're talking uh, Pixar now. Like we that's... are. I mean, it, we, we, the Pixar is standing on a lot of different shoulders, and those shoulders are not giants. Those they're just it's standing on a mouse shoulders. Mouse standing up, you know, on, upon a rat, upon a gerbil, on top of a hamster. You know, whereas the Japanese had a head start because they've been making stellar cartoons since the '60s. Um, so anyway, my my point is is that. It takes something like this, and then, you know, that's why you get to say, wow, is this an animation uh, renaissance? And it's like, 
Well, animation has been made like this in a long time in other cultures because they took animation seriously as a storytelling craft. But in America, they didn't. They took it as a way to sell you My Little Ponies and G.I. Joes. And, you know, look, and I'm not complaining about that because I bought the fucking G.I. Joes and the Transformers and the Thundercats and all those things. And uh, the My Little Ponies, let's admit. And the My Little Ponies, yeah. I don't know. Or yes. maybe the apocalypse is that this is this is kind of... Well, again, I didn't know it was coming, so it's it's lost in the, the and, you know... Capital letters, avalanche of stuff. Um, you know, that there maybe is more like this out there that is really worthy animation made with levels by, cra- you know, craftsmen who spend months and months and months. And, you know, like the Pixar movies, they, they put a list of the babies born during the production, you know, because they're, these things, it's all-encompassing. People knew that they missed time with their families to put these things out on like a five to seven-year time frame. You know, and these guys at, at Cartoon Saloon do the same amount of uh, work and overhead and probably don't get a, f- a fraction of the recognition, other than Oscars, but not financially. Other than Oscars. Yeah. No, but it's, it's not an apocalypse, I'm just saying. But there, there are, uh, you know, elements that make me sad about the lack of recognition, maybe. And, you know, again, just based on the fact that I was in a, a, ignorance that this is even on its way. Uh, yeah, no, I think you could argue this is opposite of Apocalypse mm-hmm. because it's quality and it's educational. It's edutainment, to use a term that once got us in trouble. Yeah, I hate remember? that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do remember that. <laughs> uh, little inside story. I, I will say it briefly because it's a good story. Bill and I and the wonderful Ms. Lee Devine were once in a coffee shop discussing something and the term edutainment came up and we were throwing it around for whatever reason. And we were overheard by someone sitting a few tables later over and she she made fun of us on Facebook. And it turned out she and I were Facebook friends. She didn't recognize me. I didn't recognize her. Yeah. But we had met several years earlier and she I, I stumbled upon her rant on Facebook about us using the term edutainment. She thought we were all tourists. You know, we had a combined like 50 years New York residency at the time, the three of us. <laughs> But for some reason, we were and like, oh, and she got all these people ranting about how we were the wor- we were the reason New York was going down the tubes because you, me, and Lee were using the term edutainment. I, at a I, I commented. I commented. I self-identified, and I agreed. And that's when she, she yeah, <laughs> she, took, she took the post down after that. <laughs> anyway, oh, good old days. We're not going to name her. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So this is quality. Here's why it might be the apocalypse. And this gets back to the, oh, COVID, more animation. And maybe, maybe maybe even if this happens, it won't be that bad. But I do worry about a world in the future where there are no live action movies. Where, or, right, like technology gets to a point where there are no actors. Every actor is CGI, mm-hmm. right? And there's no more people involved in the movies in front of the camera. Maybe that's not a problem. Maybe if that happened, it would be okay. Maybe the world would be better off without fucking celebrities. I don't know. Um, but I kind of worry about that. Do you think that could happen? And do you think if it could happen, it would necessarily be bad? I don't know. But I do worry that if animation takes over. But I don't know. It's This is a ridiculous thing to worry about. We can drive them back. We are wolves. They have guns. A cannon. But don't be afraid. They are in our forest. Let's go. And lastly, Noah, uh, cruising home into the home stretch here. Is there any pin, uh, pinge? Is there a uh, tincture of jealousy in any of this for you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of everything, dude. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, other than the standard, we're talking about it, so it must be doing better than my projects. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess. Uh, not really, no. I mean, I guess I would have liked to have lived some magical life, <laughs> romping through the forest, you know, being able to transform into a wolf. Dealing with disappearing nature and cholera. Yes. Dealing with dis I'm not, well, I mean, not giving too much away, but there's a pretty fucking happy ending. Movie, yes, right? that's like true. Kind yeah. of, very happy, kind of very a, happy ending. Yes, I thought I don't want to give anything away, but a couple elements of that ending seemed a little too happy, if you know what I mean. Sure, like a little too very, wrapped up in a bow. Very, nicely, very convenient. But, yes, you're right. But it's a cartoon for kids, so what the fuck do you want? Um, and there's some struggle leading up to it. I mean, it's there's some rough stuff in here from a child's point of view. Uh, so yeah. Not really. Effectively, no. I never wanted to make cartoons. I never wanted to tell stories about the the, the English occupa occupation of Ireland in the 1600s. So, you know, what what am I going to be jealous of this for? Yes, Evie's jealous, but I'm not. <laughs> We're going to go. She's she's clawing at the door. We're going to put her leash and her harness on soon and go outside. Well, you were you were hearing this live, folks in America. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, my my cat is meowing. Okay. Mm. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have to say. I'm more interested in talking to my cat than, than talking about being jealous of this. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous that I, I, you know, like there's there's obviously I'm having a grasping issue here where I, I wasn't able to enjoy something <laughs> as gorgeous and well-made. I would say uh, indisputably gorgeous and well-made is this. So uh, for some reason, I am ruined for, ruined for uncynically made products these days. I can't explain what happened <laughs> to me. Maybe you've listened to hours of me talk at this point, so you can probably explain it back to me, something I don't see. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm not jealous of anything they do. I haven't, you know, I haven't necessarily um, fought in the animation trenches. I do wish that, you know, I, I did a little name check of the terrible Hanna-Barberas and Filmations and Ruby Spears and all the bullshit of the 70s and 80s, the cheaply made, crassly commercial stuff that's made in a factory, re recycling a lot of cell animation. That's what we grew up with. And for some reason, people are, of our generation have this romance with it. Like they'll, they'll put, you know, frame grabs from Scooby-Doo. And it's like the Scooby-Doo cartoon was terrible. It is objectively yeah. terrible. Yeah, and, and really bad. Someone once said, I don't know who, and this is a little dated now. They said, uh, children's cartoons are proof that adults hate children. And I would, I think that back in the old days it was. It's like these, in, these in were, the old days, yeah, that makes more sense. These were these case. were guys who were influenced by Walt Disney, but then they did something much. They did something closer to uh, Lloyd, um, the guy from Trauma. Like it wound up being much more money factor. <laughs> Uh, that's cheap, but um, yeah. no, I know this. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm splitting hairs, or at least I'm trying to invent something for the segment. So let's go right into the fallopian scale, Noah. In terms yeah, of our, our X Y Z yeah. axis of uh, things that we yeah. talked about, yeah. where would you find this yeah. falls on the fallopian I, scale? I, I pretty much hinted at this at the beginning. This is the tippy top of crap. I don't care about, mm -hmm. but I'm glad it exists. Yeah, that, so, I, I think that's fair. Sure. Right, right. So I, the the example I'm thinking of. You know, earlier this year, sourdough bread and Fiona Apple's new album. Right. And help me out here. What are some other examples? Well, I thought. I mean, I thought I, you know. I, now I was going to say Ray Schremer. Actually, I liked Ray Schremer. Um, mm, no, they, yeah, yeah is, you talk about Ray Schremer's got problems that this doesn't. Good have. art, yeah, good art that doesn't apply to you. But there's, you know, there's something good. You're just not going to. Yeah, I think Fiona Apple was the biggest, greatest, last example of that for me. I would. Oh, I would, oh, uh, uh, all the fantasy stuff we've looked at. So sure. So the uh, the Lightning Thief books. What are they called? Yeah, Percy Percy called? Jackson's. Yeah, Percy Jackson books. Uh, stuff like that, dork diaries, mm. you know, all the stuff that's just for good stuff for kids and girls, right. and fantasy fans, people I don't relate to at all. Yeah, children, 
women and fantasy fans, three groups of people. <laughs> I, I don't relate. I relate more to children than either of those other two groups. That's right. Uh, that's funny. I mean, I would agree that uh, I don't. Obviously, I you know I, I did the opposite of apathy. Probably is a good term, but you know the sort of I wanted to turn it off but didn't. But this this is definitely at the tippy top. And I mean, I'll I'll put that full full. I won't qualify it. It really is as good as anything we've looked at. Um, I mean, as a piece of you know as as a into a generous piece of a work of art right. made by people who care about what they do we're we're lucky to be able to talk about something like this with a lot of the yes. fucking garbage that we've discussed i mean i can't promise what we're going to talk about next week but chances are it's going to be a lot like um takeshi 69 that there's a, a way greater <laughs> chance that it's going to be in that echelon than something like this yeah. because there's a lot fewer of this out in the world than there is fucking post uh, malone you know yeah but you know i i've always been a believer that the good art is out there mm -hmm. and i even think i still to this day i stand by my belief that most people even most americans have good taste in art if you give them a chance to discover it and it's so much easier to discover garbage i mean i say something i've said for a long time the biggest rock band in history is the best rock band in history sure and and you might disagree with that but it's hard to say that that is an outlandish belief. Um, um, yeah. I think that really says something. I remember when The Sopranos was everything. People didn't people didn't just watch The Sopranos. They got HBO just so they could watch The Sopranos. All right, so uh, that takes us to the close of yet another episode. Uh, yet another, and will this be our last one of 2020? Uh, I guess so. It would have to be. Yeah, there's no more 2020 uh, in our podcasting range beyond yeah. this. So, yeah. What? What a year, Bill. What a year. This is going to be it's a spectacular year to remember. An Annis Maribolis for both me and Noah at the same time. So, did we skip only one week this year? Did we do 51 episodes this year? No, I think we did closer to 49 because we missed a bunch uh, at the beginning of the new year. I was out of town uh, in January. Right, February. right, right. So once, right. once, once February rolled around, we were uh, we were rolling like a like a freight train, like a like a train on fire, whatever it is, something on fire, whatever the a metaphor on fire, house <laughs> like on a freight fire. train on fire, freight a metaphor on fire. fire, a metaphor on fire. We tore. I was listening to a podcast where they talked about two performers tore the house on fire, and I thought that was a good one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, so if you, yeah. if you like to go through our our sterling excellence. Uh, all of our 10,000 episodes are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. And Stitcher, very important. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Go on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. I'm on Twitter, at William Scurry. My video content. By the way, I just ticked over 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. No, it only took me 13 years to do that. Uh, I am youtube.com slash amcaesar and you can find my most recent product which is five episodes of my video podcast of uh, my video essay series about topics in film culture American Caesar salad Noah Tarno will tell you a little bit about himself right now uh, the only little bit you need to know is I run the big quiz thing America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia events all virtual these days hopefully in person Oh, at some point in 2021, but we just had a hell of a holiday season. We're booking up fast for January and beyond. So go to bigquizzing.com, learn all about it. Uh, sign up for a consultation, uh, a demo, and uh, yeah, follow us on all the medias, social and otherwise. Well, until next episode and until next year, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.